Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impart their word for Christ. So here is what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Yeah. We've been looking at the series, Stages of Preparation in the Life of Faith. I have told you from the Word of God that as a born-again believer, you've been saved by grace through faith to live a life of faith. The moment you're born again, the life you've been born into is a faith life. Say, I have been born again into a faith life. I need you to say it again. Say, I've been born again into a faith life. Some of you still have some religious connection. I need you to break out of that. Say, I've been born again into a faith life. One more time, say it. I've been born again into a faith life. You know why I'm saying that? Because the Bible says our faith is the victory that what overcomes the world. And to be born again into a faith life means you no longer depend on how you think and how you feel, but you're not depending on what the word says. Did you hear what I said? Because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to be born again into a faith life, you know, there was these two thoughts that came in my sleep in between that the report of faith is based on what God has said in his word, while the report of facts are based on our experiences and observation. Do you understand that? The moment you're born again, you've been born into a faith life, and the reference for faith is the word. So the word of God has become more important than your thoughts. It has become more important than your feeling. So you may feel something in your body, but because you are born into a faith life, what God says is more real than what you're feeling in your body. Did you hear what I said? You didn't hear me. What God's word says becomes more real than what you see. Before you got saved, what you see had a strong impact on you. Because when your senses saw it, it, it transmitted some level of reality to you because you thought you could see it, you could feel it, you could touch it, you could taste it. But you see, once you get saved, you have shifted reality. Say amen. You have shifted reality from the senses to a realm called faith. And in that realm, it's only God's word that is the final say. So that means I may see something, I may touch something, I may feel it, but the word of God is more real than it. That's a faith life. Did you hear what I said? The word of God has become, say with me, say the word of God has become real. More real than how I feel. Say that, than how I feel. Your feeling has to take a new reference now. Reference from what he says. If your feeling is feeling, then you check the feeling. Where is the source of that feeling coming from? If it's not the word of God, you say change source. Say amen. amen. Did you hear what I said? What do I do? You change it. You're walking and you feel a pain in your body. Wait, wait, wait. What did the word say? It says by his stripes I were healed. Is that not so? If I were healed, that means I'm already healed. Is that not so? 
that whatever is trying to fill in my body is trying to tell me that the report of God is not true. So what do I do? I shift to my, I stay in my reality zone and declare over my body, hey pain, you are illegal. You are the fake here. What the word says is that I were healed and because I were healed, it may not be good English, but it's good faith. I were healed and because I were healed, I am healed. Did you hear what I said? You didn't hear me. Did you hear what I said? You look at your bank account and the account is not very nice. And it's transmitting all kinds of concerns and fears into your hand. What does the word say? Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So what do I do? I shift from what I see to what the word says. It's a faith life. I don't want to dwell too much on that because we're going somewhere with that. Alright, so we said that there are certain preparations in the word of God that are important to grooming and empowering our faith for kingdom greatness and exploit. And the first level of preparation is statutory. Everybody says statutory. Statutory means specified in scripture and they are a must. I, I thought it was six, but the Holy Ghost expanded them and I have eight. I've shared four with you. Every believer who desires, listen, and I want you to listen very carefully. If you desire to fight the good fight of faith and to ascend the ladder of greatness that has been offered to us in Christ, you must apply yourself to all these preparations or else your faith will be crippled. Did you hear what I said? When I use the word crippled or limping, it simply means your faith will not be functioning effectively. Because each of those preparations are designed to groom and empower your faith. It's time we understand what the Christian life is about. And live it the way we should live it. Say amen. amen. So uh, is everybody here this morning? Let's try to focus. Make sure your word note is there. Get the things you're supposed to get. Alright, we've covered four. The first preparation is what? The study of the word. What did I say? If you're not a student of the world, if you don't study the world, you're not a serious Christian. Your faith will lack conviction. Your faith will lack assurance. Your faith will lack boldness. Why? Because you're shallow on scripture. Some of you, when you quote scripture, say you're not even sure. Is it in the Bible? They ever help those who help themselves. Which chapter I saw it is a lie. It was not there. You didn't see it. You don't know your Bible. Your study of the word is very poor. So they can quote something that is not in the Bible and you believe it. Those who operate at faith that performs exploit and, and ascend greatness are those who study. And he said, if you study, we're giving you certain principles and parameters for studying the word. If you've not been able to go through that message, then you're not doing what the word of God is saying. Number two, we said, the next thing is meditating on the word. Is that not so? Meditation is very important. Why? Because that's the only way you can believe the word. Say amen. It's only the way you can exchange the belief system that we have acquired before we got born again. Belief system that we have acquired from our experiences, education, and the things that we've gone through in life. Whether you like it or not, there are things you believe that are producing what is going on in your life right now. And you can never rise above what you believe. Because what you believe comes from what you think. So when you meditate the word of God, you, are, you give the word of God the opportunity to renew your mind so your belief system can be conformed 
to what the word of God says. Say, I hear you. Remember the Bible says all things are possible to him that what? Believe. So there is a place your belief gets to all things becomes possible. Did you hear what I said? You know the reason why for some of us all things are not possible? Because there are some foreign belief system in us that are contending with what the word of God says. That's why you're not functioning in greatness. So as you meditate the word, you give time for the word to renew your mind and to... To take out every imagination, to cast down every imagination and belief system that you have acquired that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God and to bring them under captivity to the obedience of Christ so the word of God can take over your belief system. Say amen. Some believers have belief system of fear. No matter what you tell them, they will always be afraid because they've believed it for a very long time. But you need the word of God to renew your mind that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of what? Power and a sound mind. Say amen. amen. Number three, we said the third thing is doing the word. We said the word of God contains the life and the power of God. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two else word. And we said the only way to experience the life, the life of God is the character of God. The power of God is the ability of God to produce changes. The only way to experience the change of God's life and the change of God's power is when you do what the word says. Many of us, we just hear, we don't do. Like I said, do you have a word note? If you are acting on the word, ah, sorry, I now have a word note. Say amen. Did you hear what I said? And I always advise you start with the analog one. Everybody say analog. Say analog. Say analog. Say analog. Start with the analog word notes. Analog word notes. Everybody say analog word notes. Very important. Write down. The thing about software is that the day virus attacks your phone or your phone, you know, you know, some of you say, I don't know, the phone just fell, everything just vanished. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So it can happen. So write it down. Those of you that don't have word notes, I'm looking at you with some kind of eye. Hallelujah. You are hearing, but you are not doing. Number four. What is the fourth one? Everybody say preparation of the inner man. We said that man is a spirit being. Everybody say spirit being. Man is what? I didn't hear you. Man is what? Man is what? Say that with me. Say, I am a spirit being. I'm not hearing all of you. Say, I am a spirit being. Put your eyes on me. Say, I am a spirit being. Because I have been made in the image and after the likeness of God. Glory to God. So, so you're, you are not a physical being looking for a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being that has been put on earth to function in the earth. You are to bring heaven to earth. Do you understand that? Many of us think we are bodies. We are like souls. I mean, we are physical bodies and we are looking for a spiritual experience. No! You were made in the image and after the likeness of God. The Bible says God is a spirit and is the father of spirit. So your value system should prioritize spiritual things. But when you're carnal, natural things are more important to you. Natural ties are more important. Do you know when you got born again, your family changed? That means your biological family is not secondary. Your church family or your spiritual family is more important than your biological family. Some of you don't know that yet. 
That's what Jesus said. You can't follow me except you hate. Now, now when you use the word hate, it simply means put me first before them. And until that revelation takes over your heart and becomes real to you, there is a level of fellowship you will not give Christ. Hallelujah. So, as a spirit man, we, we said that the state of our spirit man affects the way our faith flows. Why? Because a Mary had doeth good, like what? In medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. One of the reasons we are we're not sensitive and we're more carnal is because we're more naturally driven than spiritually driven. So God has given us what he calls praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in tongue a lot, you charge yourself, you edify yourself. I've been listening to a message on praying in the Spirit in the last two days and, and there are some truths that are so real. When you pray in the Spirit, you deepen your intimacy with God. You become more intimate with God. Praying in the Spirit is the God language that gives you the ability to speak God language to God. You can express deeper things by the help of the Holy Ghost more than your natural language. And the more you pray in the Spirit, the more spiritually aware you are. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. And I said, we said, Paul says, I thank my God, I pray in tongue more than you all. Why? Because the more you pray in the spirit, the more your faith functions effectively. Say amen. amen. All right, today we're going to begin with the fifth one. Write this down. We looked at four preparation. The fifth preparation, these are basis. But some of us don't have understanding about them. Write this down. The preparation of going for fellowship meetings. The preparation of going for fellowship meetings. Or simply put, going to church. I'm going to ask you some very basic and serious questions this morning. Some believers have a religious. You know when you use the word religion? You know what religion means? Religion is man attempting to please and find God with his good intention and effort. That's what religion means. Go and check your dictionary. Religion is what? Man attempt to please and find God through his good intention and good effort. Did you hear what I said? I will say that again. Religion is man's attempt, and if some of you would check that some of us are practicing religion in some areas of our life. Religion is a person with a good mind, a good intention to please and serve God with his good intention and good effort. The problem with religion is that religion is not Christianity. I know we write that, you say, what religion is it? Christianity. Do that for book's sake. But Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. Say amen. It's a relationship because God came looking for man. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think in verse 8, he said, all these things are of God who has reconciled us to what? Himself. So God knew when man fell and he knew man was helpless, so he came for man. Through the seed of the woman, the fall of man necessitated that God had to become a man in order to save man. That's why the Bible says the word, which is God, was made flesh. The word became a man. And we beheld his glory and he lived among us. That was amazing. And I was meditating this morning, or was it yesterday? I said, Father, why will God become a man? Because Ephesians 2 says, 
he put aside his divinity and took upon himself the form of a servant. The Greek word for that is the form of a man. God the creator became like the created in order to reach man and save man. No wonder David said, what is man that you are what? Mindful of him. If you know how much God loves you, you change your life. Many of us don't realize that. So religion does not understand the love of God because religion is trying to please God in self-effort. And the problem with self-effort is that it lacks understanding and grace. So many of us have a religious mindset. Let's apply that to coming to church. Why do you come to church? If I ask them to give you a microphone, quickly, um, uh, King David, get a microphone. I'm going to ask three people in church, beginning with Pastor Vito. Let me start with my pastor. Pastor Vito, then you go to your choice, and Michael. Quickly, just tell me why do you come to church? Everybody, please pay attention. Get another microphone so that it will be very fast. Yes, Pastor Vito, let's start with the pastor. Why do you come to church? Just say anything you know. We won't give you any mark. We're not marking anything. Wait, wait, wait. Let's. Let Pastor Vito talk first. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes. Tell us one reason why you come to church. One main reason why I come to church is to get my spirit man, get me built up, edify. And, um, uh, uh, it's, it's just sit down. Say edify. Won't, won't. Yes. To get his spirit edified. <laughs> that sounds very spiritual. <laughs> okay. Yes. Why do you come to church? Choice. Sorry. Okay. Please give our volume. Good. The reason I come to church is um, fellowship, fellowship of the brethren together. Okay. When you say fellowship, what do, you can just add one statement to that one. What do you mean fellowship of the brethren? To help me build up my inner man. Okay. You borrowed Pastor Vito's room. Okay. Where is, where is the person I mentioned again? Yes, Mike. Why, why do you come to church? Okay. We got two Mike. Ah, so use the two Mike. Give that one we talk. This one we talk. Go and give them the yeah, Very good. Ah, I see two of them. Just, I didn't put some names, so this one says this one. Okay. So it's two of you. Okay, good. Please tell us in one statement why do you come to church? I come to church to learn. To learn. Okay. Sorry? To renew your mind. Wonderful. Let me ask you a question before two people. Let's look for Laura and Vicky. Yeah, tell us why you come to church. Hey, your son is laughing. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I come to, to church to learn the word of God, to, to also build my, my spiritual life as well. Hmm, okay. For fellowship. For, for, when you use the word fellowship, it's very, you know, it's very big. So you just put some explanation behind it. Okay. For yes. fellowshipping with the brethren. What do you mean by fellowshipping with the brethren? You know, it's very spiritual, but I still don't understand it. What do you mean by fellowship with the brethren? Yes. Like worshipping together. What? Worshipping together. Okay, hold on. When you say worshipping together, if I point somebody now, do you know the person's name? Uh, if I point somebody in church now, do you know the person's name? Because if you are fellowship with somebody, that means you know one another. Is that not so? Uh, so which, which inspired group are you in? Women. Uh, 
Which inspired 12 group? Who is the leader of your inspired 12 group? You said fellowship now. If you are fellowshiping, that means you are part of the brethren. Which inspired 12 group are you in in church? Momute. Who? Our leader. Momute is our leader. Is, is she in your group? She's not, she has denied you. She says it's not in your group. So you don't know. So you are not fellowshiping in church. I didn't want to go there, but you dragged me there. So I said, let me explain. Because when you said, when choice mentioned fellowship, I wanted her to explain. So when you say you fellowship with the brethren, that means you are together. Is that not so? What we are doing, you are part of what he's doing. So if you are fellowship, when they ask you, say, what inspired group do you belong to? You say, I belong to this group. If you don't know, that means you are not fellowshipping. Okay, it's all right. Praise the Lord. Now, it's okay. I, I just, I did that to make us understand where I'm going with this. I asked a question again. Why are you coming to church? Can you go to the scripture and explain and defend why you are coming to church? A possible reason for most of us coming to church is because it's born more out of observation. Let me explain what I mean. You see others do it. And obviously it feels that that is the Christian thing to do. Because people who are Christians are supposed to go to church. Every Sunday. Mostly Sunday. Wednesday where? So the question is, why do we go? Have you ever asked yourself why will you go to church? Because if you don't, listen to this. Let me show you something that happens when you do something more out of observation without revelation, without understanding. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Many would later discover that there is no grace behind any activity in the kingdom that lacks understanding. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Any activity like coming to church, if you don't understand why you are coming to church, there will be no grace. And if there is no grace, your goodwill is not strong enough to maintain your consistency. One of the things that could happen to you is if there is a crisis that comes, one of the most um, frequent cries is offense. When offense comes, you will not know the difference between those who are really going to church for going to church and those who are going to church but they don't know why they are going to church. Because let me tell you what will shock you. If you take a sample among Christians today in church and ask them why you are going to church, you will get answers as many as there are many Christians. You understand what I mean? So I say, I'm going to church for my breakthrough. I want my breakthrough. At least I want to, I'm going to church because I want God to solve my problem. I'm going to church because I want God to change my level. Come on. I've been people talk like that before. So I'm going to that church because I want God to change my level. Because I heard when people go to that church, their level will change. So make, let God change my level. What is the scriptural reason for going to church? Good intentions are not good enough to function in the kingdom of God. Mm -mm. It's nice. But good intention without understanding will lack grace. And where there is no grace, at the slightest provocation, you will break down. Because if good intention can work, then Jesus should not have come. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? If good intention is enough, then Jesus could not, should not have come. It's just like somebody saying, are you a Christian? Say yes, how do you know? I don't steal. I don't lie. I try to be kind and good to my neighbor. You know, they, they give you their morality profile. I mean, I'm not a bad person. 
are you serious? He said, he said oh, for, so can you keep the Ten Commandments? Well, I know I can keep like seven. At least I try. Seven over ten is A now. Abi? But the Bible says in James 2, he said, if you can keep nine and fail one, you are guilty of all. So you're supposed to keep the ten perfect. And no man, if you say you can keep the law perfectly, then Jesus made a mistake to go to the cross and die for me and you. Because nobody could keep the law. Did you hear what I said? All right. Now hear this. We must press beyond good intention to understanding from God's word why we should come to church. It is when we secure understanding, I hope you're paying attention, it's when we secure understanding, we connect with the grace for consistency to function in every required kingdom activity. If you cannot scripturally teach your practice, then you are doing guesswork in your followership and serving God. Did you hear what I said? I just said something very strong. If you cannot scripturally teach your practice in the faith, then you are doing guesswork. That's what it means. If you can't take people to scripture and say, this is why I do what I do. Because your defense will always be in the word. Is that not so? Your persuasion is where? The word. Because if your persuasion is not rooted in the word, any strange wind can blow you off. Why do you think sometimes when people go through a crisis in life, after that, they say, I will never serve God again. Why would God do this thing to me? How can God do it? How can? I remember the man of God, his name is Terry Law. I was reading his book. He wrote the book in the 80s. I've always known him from the 80s, Dan, because I got saved a while ago. He went to preach somewhere. And while he went to preach, his wife had left the house. She was coming back to the house. And there was somebody that was driving that was crazy. I don't know how the person lost control. There was a collusion. And it's like she was not on her seatbelt or something. And the impact threw her through the windscreen. And she went and hit a tree. Boom. And she died on the spot. So they were flying back. The moment used to work for him. They were flying back and he was sleeping in the plane. And they sent a message to him that your... They should tell him that the wife is dead. Eh? So the two close people to him, they started debating, who will tell him? You tell him. Say, no, no, you should tell him. They said, no, it's not me. You tell him. They, they were watching him sleeping. And they didn't know how they were going to break the news to him. When they broke the news to him, the man told them, they should get out. That he's, he's, he's dreaming. That then they let him sleep. When he wakes up, he will, he will, that they shouldn't tell him that kind of stupid thing. They told him it's not, it's, not, it's not a dream. It's true. It just happened. When the man, when it dawned on him, the man wept. How is he going to survive with three children? What will happen? God, what, what happened? All kinds of questions. It's a very fine book. If you read it, you will know how God saw him through that phase. What happened? And some key spiritual truths and principles you will learn about the faith. When you hear me make some statements that I do, I, I'm telling you from the place of persuasion. How well do you know God? How well do you know him? Are you following him because you understand why you should follow him? 
or you're just doing it from a religious, you know they call it a religious mindset. You know this, uh, follow, follow, but you don't know why you're following. Hallelujah. Let's go to David, a man who understood something about the house of God or going for fellowship. Psalm 122 verse 1, quickly. Psalm 122, I hope I'm able to cover like two in this service and the other two in the second service. Psalm 122 verse 1, are you there? Glory to Jesus. Somebody say glory to Jesus. Make sure you learn so you can also scripturally know and be able to teach what you practice. Not just be speaking, just making some kind of spiritual verbal statement together. I've come to show because I want breakthrough. I want to build myself. I want to just be speaking English. Be able to understand from scripture why you do what you do. Psalm 122 verse 1. Are you there? Can we read it together? What does it say? I'm reading from King James Version. Okay, good. What did he say? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go where? Let's read that one more time. Everybody want to go? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go where? Into the house of God. The word glad means to be pleased and excited. To be what? Pleased and excited. Let me ask a question. How many believers today are pleased and excited to go to the house of God? How many? How many are really pleased? Oh, whoa. Today's church. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you are like that? Some of you will come. Because if I don't come, I don't start to. You know, this is how we talk. If I don't come, I don't start to disturb me with phone call. Say, where you day? Where you go? Where you day? Where you go? As if they're monitoring me. Monitoring spirits. Let me just go so that they don't bother my life. And look at you. You're, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. Why was David glad to go to the house of God? Are you, you that is sitting there, are you glad that you are in the house of God this morning? You will say yes. Are you sure? Are you glad and excited? Are you, I mean, are you pleased and excited? There must be something David knew and understood about the house of God that motivated his pleasure and excitement. Listen to what he said in the 84th Psalm. Go to Psalm 84, verse 10. There's something he said which is powerful. And I'm going to read it from a translation called New English Translation because it really captures what he said in King James and explained it very well. Psalm 84, verse 10. If you are there, say amen. And if you read it, you will know that this guy understood something about the house of God that we should know. Hallelujah. Are we there? Psalm 84 verse 10. What did he say? For a day in thy courts is what? Better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let me read from New English Translation. It says, certainly spending just one day in your temple court is better than spending a thousand elsewhere. Pay attention. Spending one day in your temple court is better than what? Spending. You see, a day. Please, can I ask you a question? How long is a day? Let's, are you sure? 
How long do we spend in church? Six hours. Which six hours? From where? Six hours. <laughs> Some of you, six hours. They will carry you from here. Six hours. Ha! That means revival has broken through. Six hours. Hey. We come for 8.30. Those who pray, one of you come by 8.30 because I know. You come 8.30. You pray. Some of you are here because your name is in the prayer point, so you have to be here. You pray 8.30 to 9. Yeah, am I not saying the truth? It's true now. If your name is not there, you don't feel obligated to come. Okay, because they didn't put my name. I'm not answering roll call. So you come 9. Then from 9, first service is 9, 8.30 to, sorry, 8 to 8.30. Then first service is 8.30 to what? To almost 9.45, 10, okay? Second service begins from 10 to what? 11.30. Three hours. Some of you will sleep inside the three hours. Three. It's as if you did all night before you came to church. You will sleep. In the three hours, you will sleep. David said, a day. What is a day? 24 hours. What did he know about the house our generation needs to know about? Come many of us have a religious attitude with going to church. Even some pastors don't even know. Certainly spending just one day in your temple court is better than spending a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the entrance to the temple of my God than live in the tents of the wicked. Many of you spend an average of eight hours in your job every day. Is that not so? Huh? Is it not true? Monday to Friday, you leave some of you, your job begins by eight and closes by five, four, five. You spend eight hours there. God is saying, that one day in his house is better than a thousand spent elsewhere. Why? What is it about God's house? What is it that the house of God does to you that nothing else and nowhere else can do to you and do for you? You have to find it because if you don't find it, your faith cannot receive it. I've told you, faith is blind where there is no knowledge. There are two things you must never forget about faith. Number one, faith can only be activated by knowledge. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith is the key that releases God's power. If your faith is not active, the power of God will not be active. Because it takes faith to release the power. When the woman with the issue of blood released her faith, virtue flowed. Is that not so? So if faith is not released, power will not flow. All right. So what is it about going to the house of God? Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 1. Everybody go there. I'm reading from, I don't know if you have Amplified Classic. You know, there's Amplified Version, then there's Amplified Classic. I think Amplified Classic is a more recent version or a different version or something. Amplified Classic, AMPC. There's AMP, then there's AMPC. I'm going to read that because you can use King James and the other one, but Amplified for me explains it very well. What is it about going to the house of God? Are you ready for this? If you are ready, say amen. amen. And I pray that the word of God will begin to renew your mind. Amen. So you understand why you go to church. So you don't sit there and select. And divorce this religious attitude and approach. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1. Are you there? What did he say? Keep your foot. This amplified. Oh, good. So you can look at it from there, everybody. 
Keep your foot. Give your mind to what you are doing. When you go as Jacob to sacred Bethel. You know, Bethel was called the house of God. Is that not so? The place of God. Is that not so? So comparing to coming to where the house of God is or where God has put his signature and approval. When you go as Jacob to sacred Bethel, to the house of God, because Bethel was called the house of God, the place of fellowship, the place where he met with God. Now, he says, for to draw near to hear and obey is what? Is better than to give the sacrifice of fools carelessly, irreverently. The word irreverent means no regard, no reverence, no honor. Too ignorant to know that they are doing evil. Write this down. I'm going to explain that so you get this. The house of God is the place where we are built and prepared for our God-given destiny. Write it down. It's a sacred or a holy thing before God. The house of God is the place where we are built. I'm going to say some very interesting truth that I hope you get it. The house of God is the place where we are built and prepared for our God-given destiny. Write this down. It is the place of training. It is the place of what? Training. The house of God is the place where we are built and prepared for our God-given destiny. It is the place of training. Some of you are not writing. I'm looking at you. It is the place we'll learn about the Lord and his ways. It is the place of training. It is the place where we'll learn about God and his ways. Like a training camp or a boot camp where God's people are taught about God and his ways. I'm going to say something about the knowledge of God that is very important and which is central to the reason why we go to the house of God. Write this down. You know, I told you that the, the house of God is the place where we learn about the Lord and his ways. Now, it is the knowledge of God. Write this down. It is the knowledge of God that grooms. You know when you groom something? G-R-O-O-M. You groom it. Take tend to it. Ensure it is well nurtured. Alright? It is the knowledge of God that grooms and activates our faith for kingdom greatness and exploit. It is the knowledge of God that grooms and activates our faith for kingdom greatness and exploit. So, when we say the house of God is the place where we are built and prepared for destiny, it's because it is the place for training. It's the place where we learn. What do we learn? We learn the knowledge of God because it is the knowledge of God that grooms. Are you hearing me? It's the knowledge of God that grooms and empowers or activates our faith for kingdom greatness and exploit. If you don't understand this, then you don't know why you're going to church. That's why some of you don't have word note. Because if you know it's a training place, a training camp, you don't go to class without a note. Do you do that? Do you do that? 
you will fail. See, let me tell you, you know where the exam for what you are learning is? It's outside there. When you go out there, life will test you. And it's only those who know their God shall what? Do exploit. So if you, if, if you play and take lightly your learning when you come into the house of God, when the evil day will come and mark me, it will come. That's what the Bible said. Everybody will face their evil day. When the evil day will come and the crisis will come, your lack of learning well will make you fall. Proverbs 24 says, if you faint or give up in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small. And why is your strength small? Because what you know is weak. You have a religious attitude and approach to going to church. You don't take with reverence what you are learning. So you don't prepare your heart before you come. You come because you just have to show up. Then after you manage to survive the service, you go home and eat jollof rice or anything you cook. That's all. Forgetting that every word you hear will be tested. Persecution arises for the word's sake. I hope you know that. And if the word of God is not in your heart, then you will faint in the day of adversity. Paul reveals the need to have the right behavior when we go into the house of God. Quickly, 1 Timothy 3.15, everybody. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. This is very important. Paul said, I'm reading from King James. Paul says, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Thou oughtest. The word oughtest means suppose. There is a proper way to conduct yourself when you go into the house of God. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5 tells us, he says it's more better to go to the house of God to learn, to listen and learn than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So Paul says, I, I, I will tarry a bit long, but, but I, I, I write this to telling Timothy that you let the people know how they ought to behave themselves in the house of God, which is what? The church. The house of God is called what? The church. Of the living God, the pillar and the ground of what? Of truth. What does that mean? Paul calls the house of God the church. Remember who the church is? The ecclesia. They call that one. Is that not so? The moment you're born again, you are born into the church, which who they are the bride of Christ. Amen. That the called out ones that have been called out of darkness to what? To light. Say amen. First Peter 2 9 is now a description. We are a peculiar people. Is that not so? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people called out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. You are now the church. You are not like the world. You've been called out of the world. Your reference is not the system of the world anymore. Your reference now is the word of God. Your blueprint for life. Your blueprint for functioning is now the word of God. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now hear me. He said the church, the local assembly is, watch this, is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. What does that mean? The church is the place where God's word, which is the truth, is taught. Are you hearing me? And practice. So when you come, you come to learn truth. Say, I come to learn truth. Say, I come to learn truth. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because the Bible says it's when you know the truth that the truth will make you free. Is that not so? So if you don't know truth, nothing changes in your life. So God has planted the church as a training place, a learning place where people will come and discover the truth so that they can be free to be all that God has destined for them to be. You can't function without truth. Did you hear what I said? Let me repeat that. You cannot function without truth. What did I say? You cannot function. Good intention is not enough. Connection is not enough. If it does not have truth, the knowledge of the truth, it will lack grace because grace is a truth carrier. Did you hear what I said? When you know the truth, grace will be attracted to your life. Let me say this. Thus the scripture instructs us, go to Hebrew 10.25. This time I'm using AMPC. Hebrew 10.25. Thus the scripture instructs all believers not to forsake going to the house of God. Hebrew chapter 10 verse 25. Are you there? AMPC. Let me read that for time's sake. It says not forsaken. And he explains the word forsaken. Or neglecting to assemble together as believers. As the habit of some people have. Why is their habit so? Some have a habit of giving excuse. They can come to church once in one month. So they come when the series is beginning. By the time they show up in church again, the series has been concluded. They are teaching something else. So their learning is disjointed. It's not coordinated. Even after they leave church, they forgot that the reason why they are coming is to learn. And that there's a need to go over the message, go over your word note again, so you learn. Because the priority emphasis for coming to the house of God is to do what? To learn. If we don't learn, we will not change. And if we do not change, we will not grow. So what do we do? We play down on the learning. So some of us have even invented substitutes. Say, I just come to fellowship. And when they say fellowship with the brother, what they mean by fellowship is just to create. You say, you know, when you go to church, you get connections, connection for work, connection for very powerful things, people that don't have, that, that, then you don't get it. You don't get it. You're trying to use the concept of the word system to remodel the church. It doesn't work like that. In this kingdom, Jesus is our Lord. And we cannot serve him beyond what we know about him. Because there are certain rebellions we've acquired. Until we know better, those rebellions will never be dealt with. They will resist our submission to Christ. They will fight us. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. As the, is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. What does it mean to forsake? It explains it. To neglect. What does it mean to neglect? It means to treat with no value. To treat with no value. You neglect what you don't value. You neglect what you probably think you don't need. Am I making any sense? That's true. When you neglect something, you don't have fellowship with it. Your exposure to it is very scarce. It's very regulated. It's not... It's not Frequent. That shows that thing has value. What you value, you will always be in touch with. And I'm saying this to each and every one of us. For each and every one of us. We need to let the word of God renew our mind as to the reason why we come for fellowship. To neglect means to neglect the pillar and ground of truth. To neglect your training ground. 
where you are trained. And if you are not trained, your perception of destiny will be very weak. Your fulfillment of destiny will be very weak. You will just be just this kind of nominal Christian who comes to church for coming sake. Then when it's time to marry, marry me. The way you're born, bring children, we dedicate for you. It's like belonging to a social club. Forgetting that there's greatness on the inside of you. And it takes knowing, learning, training to harness that greatness, develop it, and deploy it. Hallelujah. Are you learning something this morning? To neglect fellowship is to neglect training, to neglect learning. To neglect the place where we fellowship. Why do we fellowship? Let me give you the scriptural reason why we fellowship together. Write this down. And I'll show you from the word of God. We fellowship together, number one, to strengthen our faith. That's why it affects our faith. That's why coming to church affects our faith. We fellowship together because in the process of learning, we learn truths that helps to build our faith. We fellowship together to strengthen our faith, number one. And number two, our love for one another. We fellowship together to strengthen our faith in Christ. And number two, our love for one another. Read all the epistle of Paul. You will hear where Paul says, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for one another, I decided to tell you this. Read them. You will see them. Did you hear what I said? Hello? And how do we strengthen one another? We strengthen one another, our faith and love for one another through learning and practicing the truth. Everybody say, true learning. And practicing the truth. True learning and what? Practicing the truth. The truth of God's word. So what is the proof that you are fellowshipping in a place? It's not to attend church. The proof that you are fellowshipping in a place is that there is strength between you and the brethren. And how do you strengthen one another? We love one another. Everything we do in the house of God is to encourage and strengthen our faith deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ and our love for one another. That's what Jesus said. How do you know that you are a true follower of Christ? He said, until you love one another as I have loved you. That's proof of fellowship. If I ask some of you, what inspired group are you in? You don't know. Like our sister Claymona. They say, no, you're not doing it, but I don't know. I don't know. Are you truly fellowshipping? Look at your brother and sister. Look at the person. Say, are you truly fellowshipping? Or are you just a name-carrying member? You know, there are some party, political party, card-carrying members. They don't participate. They are card-carrying members. I go to refuge house. That's, that's, that's not enough. What do you do there? What are you part of? What are you making happening there? If they only see you in church on Sunday, your participation is one leg. If you're only coming to that means you don't get it. May God's word renew your mind in Jesus' name. Let me introduce number six. Another practice that will help to strengthen our faith for greatness and exploit is preparation of serving in the house of God. There's a difference between going to the house of God for fellowship and serving. 
Coming for fellowship is learning. Then what you learn will be practiced in the house by your service. We have a lot of people who go to church today, but very few serve. And they think serving in the house of God is a favor. It's something you do when you think you can do it or you can afford to do it. It's, a, it's an instruction. And you're going to see that in the world. The house of God is also the place where we are given the opportunity to serve God and to be a blessing to other brethren. Because if you cannot bless your brother, how are you going to bless the world? If you cannot love your fellow brother in the house, how are you going to show Christ to the world? The Bible says you claim to love God that you have not seen, but you cannot love the person that you see with your physical eyes. How can you do that? Why is the serving in the house of God very vital? Because write this down. Through serving God, we flourish. Everybody say we flourish. And I'm going to tell you what flourish means. How it affects your faith and also your destiny. And those who serve, are those who have a right to claim this. Turn to Psalm 92 verse 13, everybody. Psalm 92 verse 13 and 13 to 15. Psalm 92, verse 13 to 15. Psalm 92, verse 13 to verse 15. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those that be planted. The word planted means to be rooted. Verse 14. This is the effect of or the product of being planted in the house of God. Verse 14, what did he say? They shall still what? Bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Fat doesn't mean you have weight. Oh. I hope you know. Eh? It doesn't mean you grab weight. The word fat simply means you do well. Verse 15, to show, see, through our being planted in the house, will show or demonstrate that the Lord is what? Upright. He is my rock and that there is what? There is no favoritism in him or there is no unrighteousness in him. So if you meet the condition, you enjoy the promise. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. There is no unrighteousness with God. God loves each and every one of us equal. And the principles are there. If we engage them, we will reap the benefit of what the principles say. Now, notice in verse 14, the scriptures say, those that be planted in the house of God. What does it mean to be planted? Now, notice, to be planted means, it doesn't mean to be a visitor. Because if, you're, you're, if you have a visitor's approach in church and you're not planted, you can't partake of what is commanded here. It's not possible. There is no righteousness with God. All right? There are many that have a visitor's approach in the church. They don't do anything. They just come. They don't know how church is arranged every Sunday. They don't know how things are put in place. They just come show up in a very nice sweet way and they disappear every Sunday. They don't know anything that takes place here. But listen to what the Bible says. He said, those who are planted will flourish. What does it mean to flourish? The word flourish, write this down, it means to break forth. That means there are certain things that will not break forth in your life and through your life until you are planted because there is no unrighteousness with God. Did you hear what I said? 
There is what? No unrighteousness with God. The word flourish means to break forth. It also means to spread. It means to grow. Let me give you an example of what it means to flourish. Everybody turn to Job 36 verse 11. Job 36 verse 11. I believe that's the most practical definition of what it means to flourish. Job 36 and verse 11. Hallelujah. Job 36 verse 11. I hope you're learning. I hope you're learning. I hope you're receiving God's word with humility of heart. Alright. Job 36 verse 11. What does it say? If they obey and what? And serve him. Repeat that again. If they obey and serve him. Repeat that again. If they obey and serve him. If they obey and serve him. Now this gives you an idea of what it means to be planted. To be planted in the house of God means to be planted by service. If you are not serving in God's house, you are not planted. You're not groomed in the vision. Ask your neighbor, where are you serving? Ask the person. Look at the person. Some of you are. Ask the person. Look at his face. I didn't say you should answer. Just ask the person. Let the person answer to God. Some of you don't, you, you, some of you don't like to obey. You leave your seat. Go to somebody. Say, where are you serving? Leave your seat. Simple instruction. That's why some things don't change in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You know the reason why some of us cannot do that? Because some of us know that we are not doing anything. So it's like going to expose yourself. But the word, of, listen, the word of God should cut through your heart and, and, and be able to convict you to make the right change. Because what I'm telling you is not what I, I'm not telling you what parole thinks. I'm telling you what God said. It's up to you to obey God or to live the kind of life you want to live. He says if they obey and serve him, what will happen? Everything explained there is the word flourish. They shall do what? They shall spend their days in what? Prosperity and their years in pleasure. But you know the problem with us? We are obeying and serving our interests, not God. That's what you serve and obey. You obey and serve your personal interests, not God's interests. God says if you serve and obey me, this is what will happen. You will flourish. And that word flourish means you will spend your days in what? Prosperity and your years. This is the word of God and it cannot be broken. The word of God. Jesus said the scripture cannot be broken. We are planted in God's house through service. If you're not serving, you're not planted. You're just a mouth attending member of a church. And if you're not planted, you don't have any right to claim the prophetic blessing that has been released in that place to groom your life. All these rogue Christianity people do, I call it rogue. Facebook has made it look like it's nice. It's not nice. You are not serving anywhere. You are just running rogue and wild. It's not going to help you. At the end of the day, you will find out that your life is lacking in essentials because you're trying to do things your way, not God's way. 
Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like these.